All right, friends and family, Randy Bullock kicking it deep to Isaiah Pacheco. He's bringing it out, but it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. We're going to start off at the 25 with some awesome Chiefs and Titans Sunday night football. But while that's happening, let's take a look at the good, the bad, and the box score. We are back and ready for another episode of the good, the bad, the box score. It is a very interesting week nine. I am Justin J. Will underscore FF here with Wyatt, Wyatt B underscore FF to give you some rapid reactions for what appears to me, Wyatt, to be like a very important week nine. A lot of buys this week, so a fewer number of games. That fewer number of games has put the spotlight on some very interesting positive and negative results for players. I don't know about you, but in a few leagues where median scoring comes into play, I'm seeing a median that's like 30 points below what I normally expect it to be when you and I start recording on Sunday night. So it looks like this is a week of low points across the board. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the pressure from some underwhelming results. Let's uh, let's dive in and and take a look at some some injury notes first, if you will. Uh, I think you got to see a lot more of Packers and Lions than I did. Looks like we are struggling with Romeo Dobbs out with the foot. That happened pretty early in the game, right? Aaron yeah. Jones with an ankle, Christian Watson with a concussion. It's walking wounded yeah. for Green Bay. Give me, give me an update on all three of these guys. Well, we don't have full information yet on anyone, but you know, Christian Watson concussion, that's the second one in a short amount of time. So that's two, really worrisome for him. Three yeah. weeks, right? Yeah, Ooh. really worrisome for him there. Uh, Aaron Jones and Dupes, I believe, were both seen with crutches after the game for their respective injuries. Not great. Uh, everybody should be checking their waiver wires for Kylan Hill right about now. If you don't know who Kylan Good Hill call. is, he's the third string running back for the Packers. Uh, he was a sixth round pick, if I remember correctly, but he's one of those players who just didn't really produce in college, but has the kind of profile who can do a little bit of everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if in that offense, he gets involved some, if Aaron Jones misses any time, they're an offense that uses two running backs all the time, obviously. Um, though the offense is pretty bad. So I don't know what you're going to get, but he still needs to be rostered at this point. Yeah, Cowboys will be in Green Bay to play the Packers next week. So keep an eye on that if you are an A.J. Dillon owner. Might be about one of the only times this year that you feel really good about starting A.J. Yeah, that, Dillon. That even though when I, yeah, when I say when I say feel really good, like still probably just going to get eight to ten points with how bad the <laughs> yeah. offense is, but less competition. Um, speaking of running backs who you are kind of starting on the fly, Deion Jackson got some play this week in several of my lineups listed here with a knee injury. I thought it was a pretty underwhelming performance from Dion. Do you know when it is that he left this game? I believe it was a third quarter. Okay. Took a pretty bad hit on his knee. Didn't look great. Um, yeah, it. I mean, it wasn't going well, like, efficiency-wise, which I don't think anybody really expected to go, with going up against the Patriots. But he was clearly leading the backfield, getting touches. Um, I think he would have made his way to a decent outing just on volume alone if he was able to play the whole game. But unfortunately for him, that didn't happen. 
maybe we get JT back uh, next week. And, you know, the one week wonder of Deion Jackson didn't happen this week. That will never happen again, but we'll see. I mean, we could probably talk about this later, but that is just a dead look at offense with Ellinger and everything at the helm. I don't know if, I mean, it's, we're in the middle of the Sunday night football game. Who's to say that by the time people listen to this during the week, you're not looking at what is a six and two Titans team. Um, If it is, if by some miracle, the Titans win this game, I feel like the Colts are just getting ready to punt on everything for this year. So we'll see how it goes, but what a disappointment it has been for Indianapolis so far. Um, couple more, man. Evan Ingram seemed to be coming on strong the past couple weeks, caught a touchdown overseas. First one of the year last week. I had played him in a couple places this week, feeling a little bit better about his role in the offense and what happens when good vibes start to accumulate out with the back injury. And there he goes. Is it like, could, could this linger? Might I lose him for a little bit of time? Well, I haven't been able to find any information on like how bad it's going to be. He took the back injury, you know, got, got hit pretty bad and then he never came back in. And that's really all it was. He, he kind of had like a limp coming off the field. So, you know, that doesn't bode well, (laughs) you know, that doesn't make me feel any, any better, but, um, it just, yeah, I mean, something he was working his way into like a tight end. You actually felt comfortable playing, which there aren't many, right. And, and he gets hurt. So it's okay. real tough, real tough for anybody who is starting to rely on him. All right. And then lastly here, the um, Buffalo Bills leading running back who lines up in wild card or wildcat formations and pretends to be their quarterback. I believe it's what Josh, Josh Allen is the, is the running back there that throws the ball every once in a while out with an elbow injury. How bad's this looking? Well, so, so this one is interesting because it happened, I believe on the second to last play of the game. He got hit on his arm as he was trying to uh, throw a pass. Clearly favored the elbow after the play. But then, like, on the last play of the game, he still chucked it, like, 60 yards downfield on an incomplete pass to to Gabe Davis. So, like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, you know, he probably just, you know, a little bit of a stinger or something from the play. But then it came report afterwards that, like, they are taking a look at his elbow. Um, So it's basically... I don't think it's going to hold him out, but we need to monitor it just in case because the fact that they're even mentioning it after the game makes me want to think he might yeah, mean something. Monitor. Yeah. Seems like that might be more precautionary. So let's hope that that is the case. Um, next week, man, the Vikings go to Buffalo. That and what has legitimately like as much chance as anything else we've seen to be a Super Bowl preview with how wide open things are in the NFC. Like that very legitimately is an extremely good matchup. Probably one of the best matchups of the year. Seven and one Vikings, six and two Bills would not have expected in week eight. The Vikings would be coming in with the better record for that game. But it would be a shame to not have Josh Allen for such a good matchup matchup. So we'll hope everything is okay there. Um, Let's transition and talk about the top performers because I love, love the list that we have for today. This is really, really cool players. Um, First. I'm glad Joe Mixon has made his way into the overperforming category because it has been such a mixed bag of him being a throwaway for parts of the year in the beginning of the year. Um, I know that there's a big divide on whether Joe Mixon belongs as like a first round pick because he's limited in pass work or not. Tony, a member of the JWB team, very bullish on Joe Mixon, and it just like didn't look great. And then all of a sudden, the past couple weeks, feel like things have been looking good. Today, it really culminated in just that ass whipping of the Panthers, um, a historic day from Mixon. Yeah, 153 yards for four touchdowns, 
58 through the air and a touchdown. So he gets in the end zone five times. That 58 passing yards, Wyatt, is on four catches on five targets. So not only is that like a historic day, but if you go look at some other running backs from today and you are looking at some box scores, folks, that is 27 opportunities for Joe Mixon to five the end zone five times. That's less opportunity than a lot of other backs ended up with on the day. So he was really efficient with the amount of work that he got too. What did you see here in terms of are the Bengals figuring out how to live without Jamar Chase? And is that why we got what we got? And how much of this is because the Panthers are who they are? Those are my questions. So I think there's, well, this is like a bunch of things, right? So yeah, him not having like all the passing game work was one of the issues that people had with Joe Mixon coming into the year. I certainly had it, but we were getting that this year. He was actually getting plenty of targets. There was no issues there, but he was, like one of mm-hmm. the most inefficient backs in the league coming into the last couple of weeks. But that's changed uh, almost too much this week because it's like all the production <laughs> came this week. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, could we spread this out a little bit over some weeks? Because like, what if he goes back to being the Joe Mixon we had for the first part of the year? Like, you you basically wasted this game in a way because like, I'm sure you won your matchup if you have Joe Mixon. It's, pre- it's going to be pretty hard to lose if you had Joe Mixon. The Panthers, I think, just didn't show up against the run, uh, or on defense really in general today. Yeah, they've been they've been okay, but they just like weren't there. I do think there could be a little bit of something to it of like changing the offense slightly without Jamar Chase being a little bit more run heavy, especially once they get in close, uh, start getting in the red zone because that's I mean yeah, once they got anywhere near the end zone, they were just handing off to Mixon and it was was working off touchdown runs like they were nothing. Uh, while we're on the Joe Mixon topic, let's stay with running backs and let's talk about Kenneth Walker, a guy who because he's limited in passing work does not strike me as that much different in profile than Joe Mixon. He's been good for several weeks. I truthfully cannot recall if we've had him in the overperformer category at any point, but if we haven't, and this is the first time that we're bringing him up, this is the perfect time to talk about how good he was today, how good he's been in general. And at least to my eyes, Wyatt, how much I expect this to be like what his basic week in week out stat line is 26 carries 109 yards and two touchdown four targets caught three of them for 20 yards. They go to him early. They go to him at the end of games. I think we've seen a little bit at this point that Seattle is not afraid to use him. Even when the game script is not necessarily in their favor, he's just becoming like a matchup proof situation, proof weekly start for me. And I think you kind of feel the same way too, right? Yeah, I can count on one hand the amount of players I'd want to have on a roster at running back over Kenneth Walker. And honestly, I don't think I would use my whole hand to count those running backs. Since Rashad Penny went down, including the game that he went down in, Kenneth Walker scored in every game. Wild. Two of those games having two touchdowns. Uh, He's gone over 100 yards in two of them, but he hit 97 in another one of them. He's ripped off long touchdown runs. Mm -hmm. He. He had his uh, four targets today, the most he's had all season. Um, he, he tends to get at least a few, a couple targets every game, which is, yeah, I mean, like we'd like more than that. But he has that like Nick Chubb uh, profile to him where it doesn't really matter <laughs> that he, he doesn't get in as many, t- many targets as we want because he's so good as a runner. I mean, it's just he's magic. I mean, he's also become easily one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're awesome runs. He's got a massive ceiling throughout the end of the year. I also think it's really interesting that like today, 
today what what bit of this game that i could see i felt like his presence and the way that seattle is committed to the run game and how he takes that pete carroll run game philosophy and makes it effective made it easier for the passing offense to do what they wanted to do like it's nice to see that on a day where Lockett and Metcalf both catch touchdowns that Walker has the day that he has and that all three of them can behave this way. Because I think that is a big question that everyone has is how sustainable is this? Is the Seattle bubble going to pop? Cause none of us expected this. Yeah. And if it doesn't pop, if this is true, if this is what the Seahawks are, a team that's going to win nine to 11 games and possibly yeah. win this division, can we do this? Because by the time it gets to fantasy playoffs, like I need to know that the Lockett Metcalf Walker day of garbage does not come when it's week 15 and I'm in the semifinals and I need, I need to have a good day. It looks to me like this is sustainable out of them. And that's really cool. Um, Let's talk about Justin Fields. I'm so glad that Justin Fields is here. He's just like <laughs> slowly been creeping. Like every week, I feel like he just gets a little bit higher in the rankings. And now even before today, but today totally cements for me. Let's go over a few things. Four touchdowns. First, let's talk about coming on the ground. 178 yards on the ground. A Touchdown on the ground on a huge run. That's incredible. But efficient in the air. 17 to 28. 123 yards. Three of them are touchdowns. Cole Komet, not yet dead. Slowly coming back. Darnell Mooney, not yet dead. Slowly coming back. Chase Claypool was there wearing a uniform. He showed up for the game. It could get a little bit better, but there's a couple other pieces there. And I had mentioned to you before we started recording that this is kind of all of a sudden starting to remind me that last year, Justin Fields was hot garbage in the beginning. And as time went on, he went from horrible to not so good to below average to average to great. And we look like we're seeing the same progression again, where he's just starting to get it. And just like, I just talked about with Seattle. If you can tell me what your impression is, I think the big question for people is I took Rogers or I took Brady or I have Kirk cousins. At, at, at what point do I just decide in my head, Justin Fields is a better play than all of those guys. Well, that, that point was actually a couple of weeks ago. He's on his fourth straight QB one performance. Um, I mean, it's all there. I, Look, the first few weeks were rough. They were, they were really bad. It was a new offense. We have to remember that. I think, like, you know, after seeing Matt Nagy's offense, we were so quick to be like, well, anything will be so much better than that, that, like, you know, we should see something early. And that wasn't the case as they were, you know, learning the offense. But, man, now that Justin Fields is on a roll doing his thing, like, he's another one. Like, how many QBs would you actually rather have over him rest of the season? I probably can only count them on one hand. Um, he's gonna—he's on pace for over a thousand rushing yards, I believe. If I remember correctly, it's going back to like 2017. If a quarterback rushes for over 900 yards, they're basically guaranteed to be a top five quarterback. It's just—it's all there for him. I think Chase Claypool definitely helps the offense, even though he didn't do much fantasy wise. He's definitely helping the offense as another reliable pass catcher. Um, yeah, man, I. I, I love to see it. I, I was very heavy on fields coming into this year. So I love it. Before we go to underperformers, let's talk a little bit about next week. If I have Brady, who's going up against a Seattle team that gives up some yards, I still 
I still want to play Justin Fields over a matchup like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's not even close. Five Kirk Cousins, who's like Fields, basically finishing every week as a back-end quarterback one. They go on the road to Buffalo. Am I playing Fields? Playing Fields. Five Russell Wilson, and he's going on the road against the Titans, and I understand the draft capital that I have. I'm still going to play Fields. Fields. Oh, man. You are right about there not being a lot of quarterbacks. Stafford's at home with the Cardinals. I'm still going to play Fields. Who is? I said Herbert and Fields is a real conversation. Herbert's on the road. Herbert's on the road in San Francisco. Fields will be home against the Lions. I'm going to play Fields. (laughs) (laughs) Over almost every. But it's interesting to, I think, put that out there for everyone so that there is some some understanding that, like, that's that is what we mean. Like, if you aren't looking at Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, you should take a very honest look at whether or not Justin Fields is the correct play for next week, especially playing against the Lions. My God, here we are. Let's go. You love to see it. Ah, uh, well, we are going to play Fields. We are not. We are not going to play Aaron Rodgers. This week, it's about as bad as it gets. I don't. I didn't look to see why. If this was the lowest total of the season, if it wasn't the lowest fantasy total of the season, it was the most miserable real world, real life performance of the season. Unable to get to sixteen points, playing against the Lions, who can stop no one. Rodgers throws right. the ball forty three times today, completes twenty three of those, two hundred ninety one yards, which is a good yardage total, but one touchdown, three interceptions. And adds a little bit on the ground, which just makes it worse. He's got 40 yards on the ground today from scrambling. And even with four points from scrambling, cannot get to 14 total points on the day. I mean, I think we've said in a couple other previous episodes, along with Brady Rogers, is dead, dead at this point. But what what extra did you see on top of that today that made it so miserable? Yeah, I mean, like, nobody's even on the same page with him. Uh, part of that is because like the turnstile of wide receivers and their yeah. injuries there, which doesn't there's nothing help. he can do about that, but it, it is happening. Like Sammy Watkins, uh, looked like he ran the wrong route, like multiple occasions and in the red zone. And you could tell Aaron Rodgers was really upset about it, but that's the thing. Like he doesn't have a connection with anybody here. Like he was starting to build one with dubes who got injured. Lazard is doing his thing. Like him and Lazard are still yeah. able to, uh, work some magic together. Lazard looked pretty good today, but outside of that, there's, there's nothing. There's, there's like nothing for receiving options and you can't just live on just the one person like that. Like, I don't, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is even really viable in super flex leagues at this point. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable playing him. If I had to play Aaron Rodgers in my super flex league, I would think that I'm in a bad spot. Jeez. I can't believe that. That's how bad it's got, but I mean, you are right, and it's there isn't anything coming to make it any better. And I think that's the big point. Like, that's the re- – like, we get it. Everyone knows he's been bad. I'm sure you're probably wondering to yourself, like, why would we even bother to put him in the worst performers category? Because everyone knows not to play him at this point. But we're really trying to hammer home here in terms of Aaron Rodgers. It's not just that he's been bad recently. It's that there isn't anything coming to make the situation better. We're not waiting for offensive linemen to get healthy to somehow change the narrative. We're not waiting for receivers to mature to somehow change the narrative. Like they pretty much are what they are at this point. And this is a bad team that's not going to compete for the Vikings to win the division. And you'll be lucky if with three, four, five games left in the year, Green Bay doesn't realize for the first time in a decade that they got to shut the whole thing down and just start getting ready for next year. 
and everything's useless after that. So watch out. Hopefully things that fall into the category of permanently useless are not DJ Moore. But the uh, the Cinderella moment is over. Midnight Strikes turns back into a pumpkin today. Six targets, two catches, 24 yards. It was gross. P.J. Walker played the first half and went for negative 485 Scott Fishbowl points. Baker Mayfield <laughs> played the second half and went for 35 Scott Fishbowl points. It's, it wasn't wasn't fair for anyone. What, what do you think about this D.J. Moore story? So here's the reason to actually worry here. I mean, obviously there's reason to worry he had- he just went back to scoring no points for your teams, right? Well, don't he tell was me having... Baker's coming back. I don't want to hear it. I think that, <laughs> my, I mean, after today, what are the Panthers going to do? If it's Baker starting next week, you can't have faith in DJ Moore. That was when he had no success. He only played well when PJ Walker was playing. But <sighs> PJ Walker had a terrible first half, gets benched. If it's going to be Baker Mayfield, I, I have no interest in playing DJ Moore. None whatsoever. I don't like any of this. It it was just so interesting to see how they made the trades, they made the moves, and then played good. Like, they rallied around each other for a little while and almost, like, tricked me and probably some other folks into believing that, like, maybe they were going to be just competitive enough to keep this going. And P.J. Walker was going to be a fun little story. And D.J. Moore would be back to being D.J. Moore. Terrence Marshall was coming out of nowhere, like, all kinds of cool stuff. Deontay Foreman going for 40 points a game. And then the wheels just completely fell off. Um, I think for my purposes, all that I will throw in here is I'm I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it another week to see how I feel about things. The Falcons I mean, don't drop him, but yeah, I'm not right. dropping him. But I mean, even in terms of playing, maybe not even not just DJ Moore, but my Panthers as a whole, Wyatt. That's the Thursday night football game. They're at home, they're playing a Falcons team they should have just beat a couple weeks ago. The first thing we need to see is who's going to play quarterback for them and see if they do this dance where no one knows Thursday afternoon who the starting quarterback's going to be because that's probably where it's headed. We just no one's going to know until it's time to play Thursday night football who it is that's going to be under center. But Foreman, DJ Moore, like if they can't do it at home against the Falcons, they can't do it. So I'm going to give it till next week at least to see what this looks like before I really, really start freaking out, but not not encouraging. Not encouraging at all. And then one last uninspiring story of things not being encouraging. We went back and forth trying to figure out who would be the underperforming player from the Bucks and the Rams game that many of you may have got to watch on Sunday night as the what the Rams made one offensive play to Cooper cup and the bucks had one drive with 50 seconds left and everything outside of that one drive and one play was essentially awful and meaningless. And in the end, we decided to give that mantle of most underperforming player to literally both of these teams, because it is such garbage who out of this group of bucks and Rams, Wyatt, do you want to key on as your most underperforming stories? Well, I would say, Outside of Cooper Cup, like the Rams are, you can't play anybody. Uh, I agree. Just straight up, you just don't don't even consider it. We had Tyler Higby for a little bit, but that's gone. Um, yep. It's just like <laughs> I'm like at a loss of words because it's that bad. Like I, I'm trying to explain, like maybe how there could be something to think about. Like Daryl Henderson at least looked like he was the lead back again to returning from sick, but like there's nothing there because the it didn't equate so to anything. Bad. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, and on the Bucks side, like 
Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are probably actually like low end wide receiver twos as opposed to high end wide receiver twos or even wide receiver ones like we were hoping. Because I think Tom Brady's not really there anymore. Like, I mean, he's there, but he, he's definitely lost something. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Leonard Fournette is ceding touches to Rashad White little by little. They're but getting not closer. enough for Rashad White to be meaningful on a weekend. Right. Week it's just, it really just makes it makes them worth like both worth nothing. It's just this is tough. This is getting real tough. Especially for Kate Otten. There's that. Well, yeah, I mean, we caught a touchdown, but like, is it going to happen next yeah. week? Yeah, like, I no, I, we're going to need to see several weeks of the Bucks realizing Kate Otten's the answer to some problem before we start to trust anything there. Um, this, this is my biggest issue. And I think what you said about this is all Cooper cup aside. It makes a lot of sense. Like the NFL is a league. Oh, that's a hell of a catch. Good Lord. Is that Justin Watson? God damn. I hope you get to see that later. That's a great catch. <laughs> Two and a half left in the first quarter. Justin Watson catch. Beautiful exclamation point. So I think my biggest issue is Cooper cup aside. The NFL is a league of rapid adjustments. And what we saw was the bills blew. They didn't blow them out, but for all intents and purposes, they kind of blew them out in week one when the Bills went and won that very first NFL season opening game. And we all realized like, oh, holy shit, the Rams can't protect Stafford. This is going to be awful. Then the Rams kind of figured out like, well, we're just going to use Higby as this release valve to get out of this pressure. And then defense is adjusted. So for like two weeks, it looked like Allen Robinson was going to have a role to relieve that pressure. And then NFL defense is adjusted. And it's very similar to me for the Bucks. Like Fournette was like pretty decent and NFL defense is adjusted. It looks like Tom Brady finally had lost a step. So NFL defenses are forcing him to do things that aren't going to work if he is in fact truly losing a step. And it looks like it's going that way. But as the pressure mounts on both of these teams, because I think the worst result for both of these teams, Wyatt, is that the Bucks won the game. Because now the pressure on the Rams at three wins is is huge. Even at four and five, the pressure on the Bucks is huge because of where they sit within the division. The more the pressure ramps up, the tighter these teams get. And I think the worse it gets for all of them. And I feel like I saw a lot of that, especially at the end of this game, because there was not the drive where Brady successfully got the touchdown, but the prior drive featured like a gross drop by Mike Evans in the middle of the field. There was the gross Scotty Miller drop for the for sure touchdown right before the end of the game. Like, it just looks like the pressure is getting to everyone from both of these teams. And as long as that happens, like, they're all collectively useless. So I'm really, really hoping that something gets figured out. But if it's me, man, I think I'm not playing anyone from any of these games except Mike Evans if I have to, Chris Goblin if I have to, and I play Cooper Cobb. Everyone else, I'm setting to the side. Yeah, and as you pointed out, offensive lines mean so much in the league. Uh, especially for quarterbacks like Stafford and Brady who aren't able to evade pressure that well. Uh, it really affects their games. And, you know, Tyler Higby is being kept in the block now because of this. And that's why we don't have him anymore. Mm -hmm. Instead of being able to be able to be that little dump off, he has to stay back and block. And it's just, it's rough. Like it's nice when teams do things where it's easy for us to predict. It makes fantasy football much easier. Like what the Bucks and the Rams are doing on a week to week basis changes so much. And it's so hard for them trying to overcome the flaws that they have, that there isn't any way that a fantasy analyst, at least my opinion, can really tell you for sure what these offenses are going to do week in and week out, which makes the players really volatile and really hard to use. All right, let's, let's talk about some other fun notes, some things that are a little bit more pick me up narratives from the week 
here are some cool storylines. Let me give you six, and you can tell me which one you would most like to talk about. After not scoring last week and being useless, Devontae Adams, big W this week, has a great day. Raheem Mostert gets an early touchdown for the Dolphins, but Jeff Wilson also has a role in a tight competitive game against the Bears. It is possible that Mostert and Wilson are very usable simultaneously for that team. TJ Hawkinson debuts for the Vikings, and it's everything everyone wishes Irv Smith was. Colts offense is dead. Let's cross that one off the list because we talked about that a little bit. Garrett Wilson, target hog, 36% target share. Love how things are going in New York. Has the Amon Ross 8 Brown sort of profile as someone who is about to go off during the last half of the season. And Cordero Batterson comes back from IR and is immediately what we need him to be for fantasy purposes. Who do you want to dive into? I want to get to Garrett Wilson first because go for it. It's not I love just, it. Yeah. He, nine, nine targets, eight catches, 92 yards with Zach Wilson being well, Zach Wilson, which Terrible. is not very good. And that passing offense has been non-existent granted. No Corey Davis today, which helps Garrett Wilson a little bit. Elijah Moore is a ghost. Garrett Wilson. We, we, we saw him produce early in his career too. But I think there was some worry that you weren't going to be able to rely on Garrett Wilson with this offense, with Zach Wilson coming to town, or coming to town, I should say, returning to town. That's how but I felt. I think that Garrett Wilson is proving to just be so good that you can he's a plug-and-play player every week. Like, wide receiver three at worst, uh, but wide receiver two more often than not. I love it. I really hope to see that maturation out of Garrett Wilson for dynasty purposes, but would love if he's somebody that I can use in redraft for the end of season. Um, if you own him, make sure that you hold on to him and you stick with him. I know he's probably a guy that has been on like the fringe of your bench for parts of the season. You might not be using him frequently, but that time is coming. Uh, and take a look and see if Garrett Wilson happens to be unowned or is available in some way in some of your leagues, especially as the Jets go for a bye next week. So I want to quickly be say someone too, like, that gets missed. A lot of people will be like, oh, Garrett Wilson on the wire. Like, what league are you playing in? But like, that happens. That mm -hmm. exists in leagues. Like, someone just on Twitter not that long ago asked me who I should be picked. Like, who should I pick up from these players? And one of them was Garrett Wilson. I was like, oh, Garrett Wilson. Like, go get Garrett Wilson right now. You know, like, it happens. Sometimes Sometimes it's a, oh, bye weeks and uh, bye weeks injuries and injuries. And things happen and someone's got to go and it ends up being Garrett Wilson. It happens. So, always check. Yeah, you don't know who didn't have a chance to watch a lot of football this week and doesn't realize what part of the offense he was. Um, you might benefit a little bit from the fact that, like, he doesn't score a touchdown. So in a half PPR league, he goes for, like, 12 or 13. Someone might look at that, and he might be their fifth receiver on their team, and he's the guy who's got to go. So just be cognizant of it. Um, give me one more, man. I can't decide. I love the TJ Hawkinson topic. I love Cordell Patterson coming back. The Dolphins' backfield is intriguing. Which other one do you want to do? Let me let me quick hit it real quick. Devontae Adams, big day. Could have been much bigger. I believe he had those 10 catches, 146 yards, and two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, and then they could not connect on another pass. It could have mm -hmm. been an even bigger day, but it was nice to see. He I, I have to imagine after last week's game, he he gave them a little bit like, uh, guys, on Devontae Adams. Um, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. I think that might be a split because it was a split today. Uh, one opportunity difference between them and Wilson played more in the second half than Mostert did. I, uh, I'd have to, 
we don't have like the snaps yet, you know, to really see that, but who's pretty clear Wilson was being involved more in the sec the second half of the game. That could be good in a way that we have two two players there. It could be bad in that we don't have any players there. It's uh, it's probably going to depend on the matchups. TJ Hawkinson was great to see. Uh, like really you said, everything great. we wanted Irv Smith to be, TJ Hawkinson. Did you hear the quote from him too? I no. loved it, dude. It's everything that I want from TJ Hawkinson as a player and from the Vikings offense. They asked him like how we had such a good day and what level of comfort he had in the Vikings offense after what was basically like not even a full week with them. Uh, and he said that his level of comfort with the offense, with the playbook, with his new teammates, with the surroundings was 9.5. And they asked him like laughingly, like what kept that half a point off from being 10? And he said, it's just because I'm still living in the hotel. Give it another week. <laughs> and that is, that is so funny and so cool. But he does seem to fit in really well with that offense. Like I say kind of tongue and cheek there. He's everything that like people wanted Irv Smith to be, but he just fits like what they want to do. With Justin vertically. Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, there is like there's space for a, a, a person, you know, to, to get like these easy completions in the offense, right? Space, I mean like space, like in the way that there's opportunities available and space isn't, we're talking about the field. Like on the field, there is space in this offense for TJ Hawkinson to operate in the short and intermediate routes where Irv Smith should have been producing all we could ask for. Instead, you know, TJ Hawkinson comes to town and immediately does it, which was great to see. As you said, the Colts offense is dead. I With Sam Ellinger in town, I mean, granted, against the Patriots, the Patriots have a great, great defense. But this looks like the Colts are playing for next year at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be like, may maybe this is a bit hot ticky, but like, it wouldn't surprise me if we find out that like Jonathan Taylor gets shut down at a certain point mm -hmm. because there's just no reason for them to be putting more uh, mileage on his tires. Um, and then Cordell Patterson led the backs in opportunities, which was great to see on his first game back. Uh, Taylor Algiers actually still looked really was good. Decent. Uh, but I think that's also part of that offense. Like their their running offense is just really good. Credit to Arthur Smith. We all want to give him well. crap for for not being able to make Drake London and Kyle Pitts in the great fantasy options. But like the team is doing its thing. They played a close game against the Chargers. Uh, honestly, probably should have won that game. Uh, but first game back for Patterson, two touchdowns. Love to see it. Even with Algier uh, looking so good, when they got in close, it was Cordell Patterson coming in. All right, well, we just got the McCole Hardman touchdown that nobody wanted to <laughs> be the first score of this, the first touchdown, I should say, of this game. It's 10-0, 10-0 Chiefs already, which is not not the narrative you are looking for. for Malik Willis offense. coming to yeah, town. This one might get shut down sooner rather than later, so we're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to sweat this one out playing against Mahomes and McCole Hardman as we are. Give everybody a little <laughs> little background at home and our jointly owned team that touched out hurt real bad. So now we're just going to kind of limp out at the end of the broadcast here. <laughs> uh, but we'll see, man. It's a lot of what I thought coming into it. Interesting, interesting storylines with this limited number of games, limited number of options. There's going to be more buys and injuries next week and week 10 that cause another set of strenuous situations and decisions that you have to make on your lineup. But remember 
we will be there several times a week. We've got Crushing the Competition, Square Scare and Prayer, Jake's Sleeper episodes. You'll find every single one of us, especially Wyatt, tweeting throughout the week. You can join us in the Discord. You can find the work at jwbfantasyfootball.com. You're getting down to that part of the season where it is time to make the playoff push and get yourself situated for a run. We will be here to help and answer your questions as much as possible. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. If you have not had the opportunity, please, please, please follow us on Spotify. Follow us on anywhere that you find your podcasts and subscribe to the YouTube channel. The platform is growing and we are happy to have you all along for the ride. We will see you again next Sunday.